Ahoy, Indra. Oh my gosh. Welcome back. I have missed you, Karma fam. I have missed you. We've missed it you so has, much. Um, I guess I'm just going to tell our listeners what happened because I don't think that there's anything to be gained by not talking about what happened to me this past week. And um, and I have kind of like a PSA out there okay. for people because I think it's very important. So we did not have a podcast last week. I was not able to do our Thirsty 30 Patreon last week because um, I it was a very... It was the most difficult week of my life, I'll just say. Um, uh, starting on Monday, um, I recently found out that I was pregnant with my second child. Very exciting. And I was going to my initial prenatal appointment and they were unable to locate the pregnancy in the uterus. But I was still testing positive for being pregnant. So um, often what that means is you are having an ectopic pregnancy, which means you are growing a baby outside of the uterus, often in a fallopian tube, which is really dangerous for um for the mother because, well, one, the pregnancy is not viable um, because it needs the resources in the uterus to grow. Um, But it will grow for some amount of time until it ruptures and causes a lot of internal bleeding often for women. Um, So when doctors find this out, they usually are like, you need to get surgery right away to get this removed. And I had a surgery planned um, for Wednesday afternoon and in retrospect, I wish I had done it on Tuesday. Um, I won't get into all the reasons why that didn't happen. But on Tuesday evening, the pregnancy ruptured on its own. I passed out in my bathroom. I was rushed to the hospital in an ambulance. And to just be really frank, I almost died because um, I lost so much blood. Um, they were able to operate on me fairly quickly. Um, those ambulance people wherever you are. If I can find you and write you a letter, I will because you saved my life. Thank you. Thank you to the surgeon who saved my life. Um, It was a harrowing experience followed by two very difficult days in the hospital where they thought maybe I needed another surgery and lots of things. And um, I'm home now. I'm on the mend. I'm taking things day by day. Um, I just like kind of dealing with how scary it was to almost lose my life and and also the loss of pregnancy, which was really hard. And pregnancy loss happens to a lot of women and is not talked about very much. But um, I think if there's anything I want people to know, it's that um, if you get pregnant and they find that it is an ectopic pregnancy, please have it handled right away. Um, it's very dangerous if it ruptures it can kill you. And, um, you know, me, a 35 year old woman who's otherwise healthy, um, you know, was sent to the emergency room in a really dire situation. And it's really fucked me up. (laughs) You know, like, I'm, I'm dealing with a lot of anxiety and just kind of, um, Yeah, I'm a hypochondriac. I think maybe I've said that on the podcast before I freak out about my health. And I've gone through a period of not really having a lot of that in my life. And I've sort of been like shot back Mm. into that space in a really horrible way recently. So um, 
this is I'm like oversharing here a little bit. <laughs> no, I think this is great. Um, and, and thank you so much for telling your story, because I think this is a really important story that we don't hear a lot about. Yeah. And I th- and it happens more often than you think. And, um, you know, I was like, should I be honest with people mm. about what happened? And I'm like, why shouldn't I be? Right. This is a really real thing that happened to me that you know, I need to be able to talk about it to be able to like get past it and, um, you know, move forward, you know, not get past, but really just move forward and like be happy and healthy and all these things. And um, so, yeah, that's what happened. Only something like that would take me away from this yes. podcast. You all know that. <laughs> and, um, y- you know, I'm I'm so thankful you're here and relatively healthy and you know people reached out on twitter and were asking what was going on and and you know i didn't say anything but i i'm just so uh, it it's it, it was a challenging um not to say anything compared to what you were going through but it's hard because um you know i was just pulling for you like the whole time i should say yeah Yeah. And thank you for all of your support, Deanna, and continued support and all of my friends and family and who have reached out to with well wishes and all of that. You know, it's like really amazing to realize that you have a community Mm -hmm. in situations like this of people who who care about you and want the best for you. So that's really great. And um, yeah, really happy to be here. What was like the (laughs) pop culture or show or whatever that was kind of getting you through everything is kind of our podcast. Oh gosh, so in the hospital, I turned on HGTV Mm -hmm. and went hard with that because it was just the right amount of like light bullshit. Mm -hmm. Like I don't really need to pay attention. Um, There's this show called Good Bones, which is like this mother and daughter who live in Indianapolis and they flip houses. In Indianapolis. Interesting. And it's just it's interesting to me because like, you know, we're like trying to figure out our living Mm -hmm. situation. So I'm like focused on real estate and and like upgrading homes and stuff like that. And then you see these women (laughs) in Indianapolis Buying houses for literally $35,000. That's wild. And like flipping, like totally gutting them, redoing them for like 100K. And then selling them like for a profit. I'm like, is this? That's not Colorado. That's not real. I don't think that's real in most places. Actually, our listeners out there from all parts of the country and world, will you tell us if that seems reasonable to you? Mm -hmm. Because... HGTV, I think one of the things they do best is sort of like make people feel like they can afford things <laughs> that they can't. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, we live in a pretty crazy part of the country when it comes to real estate. But still, even still, I'm like, is that really what's going on mm-hmm. in Indianapolis? I don't know. But it was the perfect thing. Um, Bravo was in my room, but I was I there was a lot of like emotion going on in the hospital. And I was like, I really need to pay attention to the Beverly Hills reunion. So I'm going to wait till I get home. Also, like, of course. So now we can talk about um, Bravaholic Appreciation Week happened. And I don't know who 
I don't put know. Us forward? I don't know who put us forward to um, be featured, but we were featured um, as on their like actual grid post. They like it's put incredible. a bunch of our memes up. They like put videos of us up on their stories. Like, and of course, this all happened like the like I twelve know. hours after I had emergency surgery. <laughs> I know. I was thinking that. I was like, oh, we've been waiting for this. And what a day. What, what a, a day, day to premiere on Bravo. But we're so happy it happened. And um, yeah, like it was cool. You know what the best part of it was for me? What was that? Is that they were get, like our page is so focused on family karma. And yeah. all of our memes have um, feature like scenes from family karma mm-hmm. and like people on the show. And they chose to feature that, which means like there has to be a season three. Season three. And we've seen, you know, follow our Instagram and Twitter because we are um, on the case trying to figure out if filming is happening. Um, There was a boys trip in New Orleans this past weekend. And Sean also had a bachelor party somewhere in the mountains mm-hmm. i th- was like a sure thing this is being filmed right seems like maybe it was not being filmed but they're gonna push production later to capture weddings and things like that happening next year that's the word on the street um i don't know deanna have you heard anything different i haven't heard anything but i just want to reiterate what um you know, we've heard from the inside is tweeting about family karma. Yes. Keeping it, pe- keeping it in the Bravo zeitgeist is really important because we saw from us being in Bravo-holic appreciation week is that the powers that be are listening and mm-hmm. they are tapped into social media and they're looking at things that are trending and they're looking at commentary and interactions, you know, about certain shows about all Bravo shows, I should say, totally and characters on the show. So just keep it coming. Um, follow, you know, all the family karma cast members. Mm-hmm. I was it's hard saying cast when it's we're the Even cast we're the with the K. K. <laughs> They're the cast with a C. It's confusing. And, and continue, you know, to tell your friends, because I know on Twitter that we get a lot of people that tag us and say, I've heard about this show. Yeah, you know, it's October 2021. I'm watching season one of Family Karma. And I didn't really know how much of a delight it is. Yes, it really is. And like, I don't know, there's so many facets to the show that um, you don't get in other parts of Bravo Mm -hmm. or even reality TV that I just think are done so well on that show. And um, yeah, I mean, we could talk all day about how much we love Family Karma. But Thank you all for like supporting us so that Bravo noticed us and put us on their page. Like that's huge. And we're almost to like 10,000 fans. We are. We're at like 83. Okay. I was bumping up. I was bumping up a little bit. We want to get to 10K. We want to get to 10K. When you get 10K, you get the swipe up feature. Yes. And that's. (laughs) And you can get the blue check, right? No. The blue check is like a whole other set of criteria. You have to like. Is it like knowing those powers that be or. You have to somehow prove that you're like a legit public figure. And like, I think it's very hard for podcasts to get it. Did 
Bali, Bali has a blue check. All of the family karma folks have blue check. Maybe Rishi and Dylan don't yet uh-huh. because they're new on second season and they, you know, they weren't featured as much as yeah. maybe they could have been. I don't mm-hmm. know. I mean, we should do a whole breakdown of, you know, our thoughts yes, for season three. Yes, that's a really great idea. Because, and yeah. Do you mind if I um, just, you know, next week is Diwali. And yes. <gasps> I hope you don't mind that I hi- I'm highlighting that a little bit of a week early, but um, no, yes, and I did DM with Kalpna Auntie, and so if she's listening, <laughs> um, she said she would come on and talk to us about awesome. Diwali party p- planning, and um, you know she runs the Patel compound. Yeah, so, I mean this is huge. Uh, hopefully, we'll have her on. Um, we have a really interesting conversation that we're going to have about. Um, yoga culture and how that plays with like cultural appropriation mm-hmm. and a whole bunch of things which Deanna set up which I'm really excited about as well so Lots we have of great a lot things. of stuff in the pipeline and yes. yeah and I'm just glad to have you know I I don't know if you heard I said you know you're the Thelma to my Louise and none <laughs> of us are having sex with Brad Pitt which yes. is a little bit of a bummer <laughs> but um you know what? Brad Pitt might be overrated. I'm just, I I, I'm is. putting that out there. I've never been, because I feel like I've talked to women. Do you mind if we get into this Let's for two seconds? Let's just do a quick, you this is a been, preview of Thirsty 30 content. So this is what I we remember, talk about. I remember when he came out in Thelma and Louise and everyone was like, and I think I saw Thelma and Louise like at age eight in the theater. Okay. So I definitely saw <laughs> okay. like Gina Davis and him like mimicking having sex. And, wow. Um, but he never did it for me. Legends of the Fall, long-haired Brad Pitt no. never did it for Fight me. Fight Club Brad Pitt does That's it for me. That's probably my favorite. But, ev- but you know what? I would take Helena Bonham Carter oh, yes. over all of them. Uh, you know, I would take Edward Norton over Brad I Pitt. I think I Edward too. Norton is the hottest guy in Fight Club. Um, but I think Brad looked his best in that movie. It's interesting the phenomenon around him is like it. I don't think we're the only women who feel this way. In fact, we or or people who prefer men. Mm-hmm. Um, please let us know if you think. Like, Brad what do you is think hot. of Brad Pitt? I and it's funny because there were a lot of hot. I mean, like you know, Ben was out at that time. Yeah, I mean, he was <laughs> he was young. I want to say Ben is like a good ten years younger than Brad. Do we think? Yeah, that? Ben was, but Ben was out like in like ninety eight. Right, like Goodwill well, Hunting. I don't. I'm too biased when it comes to that. I know I can't. you are. I'm just throwing. I'm just throwing another like white man into the oh, mix. Just you know, another hot white man from back in the day. Oh my gosh. Um. Anyway, never was a Matt Damon person. I I do want to preface that. Really? Never. Okay, never I was, was a Matt all Damon about person. Matt in Goodwill Hunting. I thought he was so hot in that movie. I and I. It's waned for me. It has waned, yeah. but I did think he was hot in that movie. Um, okay. So. Okay. And so back to yeah. uh, today's interview that we just did. Oh, yes. Oh, my gosh. We haven't. This is the longest intro ever. Sorry, everybody. Um, so we have our lovely friend Ritz Saraswat on for a second time. Um, he is such a delight to talk to, not only because he's just like so well versed in reality TV yeah. and everything 
thing, but he is behind the scenes on a lot of these types of shows, um, as you know, in writing, editing, story, um, unscripted type things. But we also talk about um, a fairly recent project in the past few years, um, a film, a short film that he wrote and directed. Um, And so it's just really great to kind of I feel like his perspective is always so interesting. It is. And, and um, you know, he's the short was available on Amazon Prime and he's making it available. So hopefully you know, again he, soon. Yes. Hopefully again. And I think the interesting thing about Rit is um, there's an art like we we absorb, you know, these reality shows. Mm-hmm. And for us, it's Bravo, a lot of Bravo shows, but there's really an art and a lot of moving parts behind the scenes. And he's one of the people with his hands moving everything around and to make this highly enjoyable show. Yeah. Or a bunch of shows that you and I enjoy. Yeah. He's kind of like, he's got that bird's eye view and Mm -hmm. he's like moving the puzzle pieces around and he gets into that actually in the interview, which I found very interesting, kind of some of the inner mechanics of that. So um, we just love hanging out with him anytime. Um, Someday we will go out to LA and actually visit Mm -hmm. him. Um, But yeah, I think uh, if you're a Bravaholic, you will enjoy this. We get into conversations about all the current shows, Beverly Hills, Salt Lake City, Potomac. We talk a little bit about New York um, and the upcoming season of The Real Housewives of OC, which Rit was involved with. And he will he talks about that as well. So and uh, yeah, and I think like, you know, from my perspective, it was interesting hearing you and Rit talk about you know, what it means to be, um, you know, a South Asian living in this country and the assumptions that people have about you and who you are. Mm -hmm. We do talk a bit about that as related to a short film. We we talk about race in America, which Mm -hmm. is always fun to talk about. Um, So, yes, uh, it's a great interview. We are glad to have you along for the ride. I'm so glad to be back. And um, please join us on our Thirsty 30 Bravo TV and pop culture chats on Patreon at patreon.com slash family karma cast with a K. We'd love to have you there. They're so fun. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll unpack more of the Brad Pitt conundrum. <laughs> oh, gosh. And you know, I always say, you know, whenever I go to heaven, um, if there's a God, you know, he will tell me what happened on that airplane with Angelina Jolie because oh, I am gosh. I am dying. <laughs> That's one of like the earth's my life's mystery. Oh my god! You know somebody like everyone on that plane knows. Oh yeah, all the children know. I, we just need the one child to write the book and do a tell-all, which I respect. That you know, maybe they Brad never and will. Angelina have raised them better to yeah. get down to our garbage level of what we want. But if they get to a point where it's cathartic and good for them to tell that story, then yeah. um, I we're will listening. Read it. Yes. <laughs> um, okay. Well, we love you all. Thank you so much for listening. Listening and please enjoy this interview with Rit Saraspa. Okay. okay, Rit. Hello. Rit is back. Rit How's is LA? Back. I <laughs> um, very much missed both of you, so this is so exciting. I miss you too. Oh, we miss you too. There's so much to catch up on. Like, it's- well, I'm like, I'm even like, so, so in October is LA cold? Yes, it's very cold. I it mean, is. Look, it's cold. I'm from the East Coast, so I will yes. I'll get beaten up if I talk about how <laughs> quote unquote cold it is. But 
you know, it's all relative, right? So, like, right now, for example, I am very cold, and it is 54. That's okay, cold. that's cold. It's cold, right? Thank you. Because LA yeah. is the desert. Sort is- of. I mean, I'm in the valley specifically, so it's really dry here, which kind of sucks, but... Um, I don't know. January and February is miserable. It's rainy and it like drops into the 40s and it's just I hate it. Oh, that yes, like I was always confused yeah. in paparazzi photos why like certain people like when the Olsons used to live there and the Kardashians obviously are still there, why they were in fur coats. Yeah. Mm. But it does well, get know, cold. It, it does get cold. And also like the Kardashians. Well, I guess it depends where you go out. But yeah, I mean, I think also we just like I, because I'm from the East Coast and I like coats and I like sweaters, yeah. I'll yeah. take any excuse to wear them. So yeah. there have been many times where I have worn those things when I don't need to, but it's just because I like a piece of the East Coast yeah. and I overheat, but I refuse to take it off. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure there are fellow East Coasters who understand you out there. No, most of them are like, <laughs> most of them are like, it's not cold enough. You know what cold is. Oh, um, yeah. yeah. So I get shamed, but it's fine. I just prefer fall and winter fashion to spring and summer. Like I yeah. hate shorts. I'm not a shorts yeah. person. Yeah. And it's like all, yeah, that's one thing that I think I wouldn't like about like a all nice weather all the time climate is that like your wardrobe doesn't change very much. It yeah. doesn't change. And I don't know, it's just for guys, especially it's like, there's only so many options if you're like a creative person and you like to, and you like to, to dress up, like it's just mm-hmm. like t-shirts and polos and shorts. It's like, you really yeah. can't do that much. I'm, I'm someone who, um, I like corduroy oh. and I think corduroy must look a little strange in LA, but I bet people are wearing corduroy in LA, right? I don't know. I think I'm not sure there's a lot of corduroy out here. It's too hot. <laughs> I mean, it I'm is. talking about corduroy. Like, <laughs> listen, I have cool corduroy. I'm not talking like. Like I'm looking you. like, <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. totally works, especially yeah. in Colorado. Oh, yeah. Oh, I bet. Well, it's all about like, I wear like a bubble vest, like you're wearing mm-hmm. like every single day in Colorado. Cause it, I am, Indra and I text all the time. We both run very cold. Yeah. Uh-huh. Especially this time of year oh, where it's like the heat isn't quite pumping all the time. Mm-hmm. And ugh, mm-hmm. but. I mean, this morning it was in the, it was in like the low forties. I know. Ugh. No, thank you. Yeah. It's going to uh, snow next week. Yeah. But see, that's that. cool. Like, if it's going to be cold, then at least give me some snow. Yeah. You know? Otherwise, yeah. it's like a waste of time. <laughs> but then, like, day three, well, especially in the East Coast, like, day two and day three and after a snow is disgusting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I know. Like, especially in New York City or whatever. And the, and the snow gets all gray from all the smog. Yeah. yeah. I know. It's really depressing. I know I, it well. I don't miss that at all. Definitely yeah. not. Um. Okay, so we wanted to talk to you today about your short film that you recently directed and wrote Mm -hmm. and like Bravo stuff Mm -hmm. just in general. So, um, okay, so let's start with your short film because I watched Mm -hmm. it yesterday and I loved it. Oh, thank you. (laughs) Thanks. Um, It's called Traitor Mm -hmm. and um, it's like 16 minutes long. How can people watch it if they want to? (sighs) Well, currently they cannot. So it was on on Amazon Prime for a while and that sort of ran its course for like a year or something. And then I don't know, there's some, it was such a pain to get up there in the first place. So, um, you know, I made it a couple of years ago and- it did like a small festival circuit and then it kind of just petered out. And so recently in the last few months, I've, I've been trying to get it back in the festival circuit again, mm-hmm. because I think, I think 
you know, people's tastes change and mm-hmm. the themes people are comfortable watching or understand or interested in, they change year by year, right? Mm-hmm. And this is such a specific theme that I thought, let me try again because, you know, I wasn't as happy with um, with how many places it was getting into. And the thing is, I also don't have enough connections for it to get into certain film festivals. So anyway, I was just, I'm trying to give it a second lease of life. And with that will come trying to get it back up on a streamer. Um, but it's very complicated because you have to have like the format has to be right. So, for example, this one streamer I wanted to there's a there's a streaming service. I can't remember what it is. Or it's a service where you can post your short and they distribute it to all of the, oh. all of the streamers. Mm-hmm. Um, the problem is they want the short in a certain format. But for me to make the short in that format, I have to I have to load up the drives again. I have to connect them to, the, to my computer, open up the editing software and export it a certain way. But I don't have that software anymore because I remote mm. in for work. It's so complicated. So just to get like, <laughs> and I'm doing it all myself, right? So yeah. it's just like everything is like 30 steps and it's so frustrating. But to answer your question, I'm trying to get it back up okay. to watch soon. So people so, can look out for it. Hopefully. People can people can look out for it. And if they really want to see it, I mean, I can send, you know, I do have a link for it, but I would rather, you know, I'd rather just get it up somewhere so that it's accessible right. again. Totally. How, it, what I would promise. be like your elevator pitch for this um, short? Uh, yeah, it's tough. So I would say that it is um, it's a neo-noir that takes place in a future that looks like the past. And mm-hmm. it's about a detective that receives a tempting offer that could change his life forever. And all he needs to do is be a good American. Mm-hmm. So that's sort of how I've been loglining it to people. But, you know, there's like a lot of layers to it. And um yeah, it's it's one of those hard things, and I should I should really get better at finding a very succinct way to talk about it. But um, I just get excited, and then I get into all the details, and before I know it, I've been talking for a half hour, and <laughs> I've lost my audience. So, well, I like I like hearing your elevator pitch actually, because mm-hmm. when if I think if I were to describe it after watching it, like one of the main kind of parts of the story you don't even mention in that lead, which I think is kind of is smart is um, the religious aspect to that. Mm-hmm. It's like um, the offer is to target Muslim communities. Mm-hmm. And, um, and it was like, I assumed Sam was Muslim himself, but was he or? No. Okay. Oh, he wasn't. Okay. Well, so that's the other thing too. So the reason I don't bring up the Muslim thing in the pitch is one of the things I wanted to try to do with this is I wanted it to look like a familiar you know, like a lot of people know what neo-noir looks like, right? It's yeah. like that future that looks like the past. So things right. are a little different. They're black and white, but it's in the future. So I wanted to kind of lure people in with like, oh, it's a neo-noir about a detective. Like that mm-hmm. feels familiar and interesting. But the actual bait and switches, it's actually about targeting Muslims. And it came out of the Muslim ban from a few years ago. So that's sort of, I sort of intentionally don't mention that part because when you do that, People are like, oh, okay, it's like gonna, it's gonna like instruct me and teach me, and like it's about you know, and people Mm -hmm. they have a bias about that stuff, whether or not they they believe it. So I I always try to lead with, I always try to keep it a little mysterious about that angle of it. Um, The other thing is thematically, I wanted it to look like the 1940s when you know Jews had to wear. Um, stars and everything like that. It's the, it's a similar thing with the characters in this in this world as well. So Sam, you know, I didn't envision him as as Muslim, but the other thing also is Paris, who plays him, he's a lighter skinned Indian guy, mm-hmm. and 
it stands to reason that somebody like the officer who approaches him looks at him and says, well, he has light skin, so he can't be, you know, he can't be Muslim. So, you know, he's someone who can, you know, we can potentially work with. But no, he's not. And that's the problem with shorts also, right? It's like you only have so much real estate to explain yeah. those right. details. And no matter how much I pared down the script, it was still too long. It was still yeah. too much. <laughs> so how long was the original script oh my gosh it's been a while since i've looked at it. i want to say it was definitely under 15 pages mm-hmm. um oh my god that's so funny i haven't looked at a draft in so long um <laughs> i'm gonna try to pull it up right now yeah it, it was it was initially i wanted to do like a small web series of like five six minute episodes mm-hmm. um and that was sort of like i just wrote it to be like oh let me just write it and see what it looks like and then i was like well maybe if i just maybe if i just make a super low budget i'll shoot it yeah. on my iphone and then i was like well what if i just get a good director of photography and the rest i'll do myself well what if i just get a good <laughs> costume person and then it just well I that's mean, the thing are the and the costume and the hair was just so spot I was, on I, I was like there's i don't i wasn't assuming that the the people did it themselves. No, no, yeah. Well, yeah. by the end, we ended up with like, I mean, everyone was so, these were like really great professional people who are so good at what they do. And I was lucky because a lot of them were willing to, you know, this is obviously low budget. I, yeah. I paid everyone, but I could only, you know, I paid out of pocket. So mm-hmm. I, I did what I could, but a lot of them read the script and they were like, oh, I don't mind. I don't mind doing it because I think the theme, especially at that time, yeah. when mm-hmm. when Trump was like really rising in like his like mania and the Muslim ban was such a big deal and people out here especially were in, in LA, which is, you know, not fully liberal, but a lot of liberal folks, especially in the industry, yeah. people had feelings about it. And I think they wanted to, you know, not that my script was so amazing. They were like, I'll do it. But they were, yeah. it was more just like, it's that thing of getting to do what you want to do while also it's, you know, it's a short that's, a, that's relevant. It's not just like a, like a love story yeah. or whatever. Yeah. So, I was lucky that they were willing to like lower their rates and all that stuff for it. Well, and I think it's interesting because I I love French New Wave and I saw some aspects of that, especially when the female lead was, there's a scene where she's arranging a flower or looking at the flower Mm -hmm. or smelling the flower. Mm -hmm. And that to me was just very French New Wave. And, Mm -hmm. And it felt like there is something very comfortable about, you know, a noir and for me, French New Wave that like, I feel comfortable sitting mm-hmm. in the viewer seat watching any like black and white production of that. Well, and that's the point is I wanted people to be drawn in with yeah. the music and the black and white and the city and the cafe and, you know, the first his his client that sits down with him and she has, you know, the makeup compact. And, like we all know that mm-hmm. look. You yeah. Know? So that was the idea was to lull you into a false sense of security that this mm-hmm. world feels safe and black and white and cozy. And then when that um, when the the officer shows up to make him the offer, it starts to get a little a little twisted. Uh, so I would say, you know, for me, it was a lot of like Twilight Zone. I love Twilight Zone. I yes. love how much Rod Serling was able to get into a half hour episode yeah. and what he was able to speak to with themes. I love film noir, of course. Um, I love, you know, smoke and mystery and the and the popped talk about cold weather, the popped overcoat collars and all yes. that, yeah. all that stuff. I just I love that aesthetic. So this was a way for me to get to play with that stuff because I was like, who knows when I will ever get to make a film again, if ever. Yeah. Right. So I was like, let me do all the things I want to do without without like forcing things in just to do it. Um, So it was a lot of like stripping away stuff. I was like, how much of this service is the story versus how much of this is just me wanting to play with like, you know, film noir elements. So I had to be really smart about that. Yeah. One thing that you said that 
kind of I thought was interesting is kind of like how people can be selective in what they watch Mm -hmm. based on what they think it's going to be. Like I find Mm -hmm. myself doing that sometimes. Like there will be a documentary or something like that I know is like about a really like heavy topic or something. And um, I'll be like, oh, I'm not in the mood for that right now or this, that and the other. And I always like feel kind of like, like icky about myself when I do that, you know, especially if it's like a social justice issue or Mm -hmm. something that like I really should be paying attention to and like engaging with. And um, yeah, in a weird way, it's kind of like this form of microaggression, I think, in some ways. I suppose. But, you know, when you look at the last, you know, and I hate having this conversation because we all have it. When you look at the last year and a half, but it's true. You know, we can Everything. only we only have a bandwidth for so much, right? I know, so I agree. it's okay if you if you look at a doc and you're like, I can't, I don't have the space for this in my brain right now. Yeah. Um, I think, you know, I think especially with stories that are about Muslim characters, I think a lot of non-brown folks are like, Oh, I don't want to touch that. Like it's mm-hmm. it's too yeah. dark because you know, it gets associated with like with with terrorism and it's like people just don't want to like touch any of that stuff i feel so even before you know pandemic and stuff cuz i made this obviously i mean i shot this in 2017 late 2017 i finished it in 2018 so this was all before pandemic and i remember when i took this to it played at a festival in um north carolina and it was a really great experience but when i got there Someone who was like kind of running the festival, I got there to the cocktail party, it was the first thing. And she said to me, she's like, I just want you to know that you're safe here and it's okay and you don't have to worry about. And it was really interesting. And I was, it was, but you know. A white person? She was white, yes. Now I took it, I I took it kind of two ways. On one hand, listen, I was in North Carolina and I was not in a a major city. So there was a part of me that was a little like, and especially like on the drive over, it was like late night. And I was like, where am I? (laughs) Um, So there was part of me that did appreciate that because, you know, if it's, it's a film about Muslim character or a a Muslim character that's playing in North Carolina. And she probably knows like, oh, he must think like, this is a very conservative not yeah. safe place. It turns out it was a very liberal festival yeah. run by two women who are very liberal. So that was fine. But, you know, I it's sort of like multifaceted. Like, for the most part, I was okay with her saying that. But also, um, I don't know. I, I'm really curious to know why she said that. And I never followed mm. up with it because I was like, yeah. I, was, I had just walked in. It was the first thing she said to me. Yeah. Um, so it was, I don't know. It's so tricky. It's like the assumption that you would feel bad about something feels bad but also at the same time like the acknowledgement is kind of nice too Mm -hmm. so like I can totally see why you wouldn't really know what to do with that and and that's the thing it's like I guess this is it's it's person to person right me personally I'm not so um confident in my brownness and all of that stuff where I can just walk into any old town in the south and feel okay like i'm I, it, yeah. that just me personally I, i'm just not i'm just not there i'm always um i i don't know i'm as a person i get very startled by loud noises and stuff mm-hmm. so i'm always like my brain always goes to oh my god someone's gonna physically attack me it's never happened before yeah. but if, mm-hmm. but you know you read enough stories about it and you just never know like if you walk into the wrong place and I don't know. So can I ask a a question? Uh, And I'm not trying to sound like Kathy Hilton or whatever. Uh, Just like, (laughs) just, just from a white, just from a white person. It's just like, when was the last time 
can I ask you too, Indra, like you both felt that just not unsafe. I don't even know if the word's unsafe, just like conscious of, yeah. Conscious of being a brown person. (laughs) Interesting. Every time I'm in an an airport because of Mm 9-11, I am not Muslim, but I know that I look like a Muslim person and whether it's real or not, I mean, there are real things. I think I've said it on the podcast before, like, pretty much every other time I fly gets stopped by mm. TSA for to check my bag. It's a random check sure, or, yeah. um, you know, I've had a couple like body searches that have been very uncomfortable and totally unwarranted. And it's like, oh, this is random. They say it's random. And I'm like, I'm the only brown person in this yeah. line. So mm-hmm. I don't really know if this is random. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think because of all of that and sort of this narrative that was written around 9-11 of like, be careful of yeah. a brown person on, a, on an airplane. Like I always think about that. And I think it's leaked. I know it's leaked into other parts of my life. I mean, if I really think about it, anytime I enter a space anywhere, I'm very mm-hmm. aware of how many other people of color are in this room. Often there's not any. So I'm kind mm-hmm. of like, okay, I'm the only brown person in the room here and you know sometimes that kind of hangs with me more in a space than others but I think I always am thinking about it yeah and you're probably always thinking about it to the point where you don't even know when you're thinking about it you know so so that's actually a great question because it's like oh I guess I'm always thinking it but I don't know Mm -hmm. that I'm thinking it because it's just part of our it's just part of our brain for me it's when I walk my dog and I walk by a house where there's an American flag and the people (gasps) in the house are outside like an older white dude gardening you know because the American flag I mean I love America and everything of course and I'm you know I I'm grateful to be living in this country etc but when I see giant American flags and I live in Burbank, you know, a lot of liberal folks, but there are giant trucks that drive by with massive American flags hmm. waving in the breeze. Yeah. And I know what that's about. Mm-hmm. You know, that's not just pride in America because Mm-mm. most of us have pride in this country, but it's 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 a signal. And so when I see that outside of a house and I'm walking my dog and that person's outside gardening, I'm like, oh, well, he must look at me and think I'm like a terrorist or something. Yeah. And, then I just, and then I just carry on. It's nothing that it doesn't haunt me all day, which is actually kind of sad. Yeah, that, right. Andrew, I'm sure you can agree. Like you think about it and it sucks and you and then you just deal with it and move on because what choice do you have? You yeah. Know? yeah. And it's like, but those things add up, you know, yeah, mm-hmm. they That's are, true. they're in our bodies and minds like all the time. And I think that part of this whole like kind of reckoning about race in America is like acknowledging that reality for people of color. And yeah, I mean, the American flag to me just screams like white nationalism, white Mm -hmm. supremacy, like, which it it shouldn't. It's like, it's so like you, like I love, like I I am American. I identify as American first and foremost. I was born in this country. Like I have an American accent. I like am by all means American in so many Mm -hmm. ways. And it's just... To know that, like, you can see that symbol and feel, like, alienated by it is, yeah. like, mm-hmm. really, it sucks. <laughs> yeah, and it's it's tied to that whole thing about not seeing color. And that's, you know, and the people who have those flags, it's sort of, like, pride in being American and you should be happy to be here and, and we don't yeah. see color. And what that means is, like, you're welcome in this country, but we don't recognize your, we don't recognize that that you have your own unique cultural identity Mm -hmm. as well. We just see you as homogenous one thing. And, you know, over time, people have come to realize that not seeing color isn't like 
and you mentioned Kathy Hilton before, and yeah, it's true. I, yeah, I, I was just gonna, I was thinking yeah, that, yeah, that that used to be the thing to say, and you know, the the intention there, I guess, is like, um, you know, I don't judge you based on the color of your skin, but that's become such a routine line of I don't see color that it's like mm-hmm. it actually starts to erase the things that yeah. make us unique and special, and like where our ancestors are from. Well, did you all think it was interesting? And I'm a little older than y'all, but like I think in the '80s we were taught as white people to have to say that, yeah, and, and we were taught like, oh, we don't see don't color, see color, yeah, don't see familiar, color. Yeah. And it, it it erases experiences. It erases who people are. And and I, I'll just touch upon. I thought it was interesting that she said Michael Jackson said that who oh changed God. the color yes. of his Absolutely, skin. Absolutely, yeah. And it's it's heart it's heart. I mean, he is a heartbreaking, tragic, terrible figure. But to bring him up in that sense of to fit along, let's just say white beauty standards in the music industry and in America. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She brought him up as an example of saying that. And yeah. so it was, I, I just threw a lot out there and I'm sorry, but um, well, I, can, yeah, I, I just thought it was thing I said as, as we're talking, like, I think when I said like, I identify as American, like I want to be clear that I think American means all of us Mm -hmm. like every color Mm -hmm. every creed everything but like american is american means white yeah and like okay okay like that's what american i think still means to most people in this country including like a lot of people of color like that whole white is right thing like it's just that whole narrative is like we're trying to kind of dismantle that it's gonna be a long road i don't know if we'll ever get there but um yeah see i think like just to sorry i feel like i just interrupted no you go and ahead i really apologize i think i'm just like getting a little passionate for me and again i'm a white woman in america when i like was in new york like that to me is america because you have people that moved here mm-hmm. three years ago 20 years ago X amount of years ago. I mean, that like the melting pot aspect of that and all the different languages. And I know I sound so white, but like that's America <laughs> to me. And those are Americans, you know? Yeah. 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 I Do think I that's... sound like so corny? No, 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 no. I, no, I think I understand what you're saying. And I think that's the problem is everyone in this country is working from a different definition of what American yeah. is. And so that's the first major problem. I mean, how do you move forward when we're all coming from a different place of what it means to be American, you know? For some people, it's like, well, being American is just like, you know, pulling yourself up by the bootstraps and, and getting whatever you want yeah. because this is American. You can have whatever you want. Yeah. And by saying that, you don't acknowledge. I think Bethany Frankel said something Ooh, about that as well. Tell us. Um, oh, I'm sure she it was, did. Yeah, it I was, mean, it was something about like, you know, it's that whole thing about not being sympathetic to other people's struggle. And I think that's another yeah. big component of all this is suddenly because as as people of color and et cetera, we're able to, we feel comfortable enough to start opening up about how shitty mm-hmm. it's been yeah. in some ways. <laughs> people are like, whoa, 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 where is this coming from? Suddenly mm. and you can't say anything anymore. Everyone has a problem with everything. And it's like, no, we yeah. always had these problems. We I just know. only feel comfortable talking about it now. So this is not a change in the narrative. So was this- Bethany Frankel alluding to people or talk, like people of color are talking I- too much about their experience? No, I truly, I don't want to misquote her either because, um, 
Well, Bethany's whole vibe, right, is like pull yourself. I you did make it. it. I yeah, did it. White I privilege. did it. Yeah. You can do it too. Yeah. Like, why? It doesn't matter what your background is. Like, you should be able to like if you work hard. This whole like work hard narrative is very Bethany to me. Right. And to be frank about Frankel is she she was the nanny for the Hiltons. I mean, mm-hmm. she was working from a place of connection and yeah. privilege yeah. to bring it full circle with the Hiltons. And um, I mean, like... Do we buy that Kathy, like, has truly understood... <laughs> <laughs> like, so I are, the folly. Are, are we allowed to talk about this? Or <laughs> I mean, I don't. I you know, at least at the very least, and I think they show this at the reunion. I'm not sure if this was in the season. She said something along the lines of like, I you know, I just learned something from you, Garcelle. So thank you for sharing that. Like, yeah. whether or not she meant that, like, that's the bare minimum you can do yeah. is be like, thank you for sharing that. I hear it. I'm learning from you. Thanks. Like, so at the very least, she had the good sense to, even if it was yeah. performative, like. I'll take yeah. that over Dorit's, like, you know, like, we have all sorts of people of color working oh, in our home. It's tough. My... That's tough. So watching that again was horrific, yeah. actually. I It was worse the second time. Yeah. I was like, oh, my God, Dorit. Like... Yeah. And I think just speaking from a white person's point of view, and I've said this on this podcast a lot, like, when do we shut the fuck up and say, I'm sorry and I'm listening? You know, like... Like it's, it was never an apology, <laughs> you know, it was never an apology of being like, oh, yeah, like I was talking out of my asshole and mm-hmm. I am wrong. Mm-hmm. No, I, I just Dorit is like not I really don't want her. I know she's going to be back. I know she's back this next season, but I just I'm really over like just seeing those comments again, seeing the way she screamed at Garcelle in the first episode crazy. of the reunion. I mean, like. I think we can all agree that if the tables had been turned, like Garcelle yeah. would have angry been fired, yeah. angry black woman. Like, like the fact that Dorit could have that happen and get away with it and still be like fairly well respected or what? I don't know. <laughs> well respected is the right <laughs> word, but like, well, you know, like people still follow her and all that stuff. It's like it's just gross to me. I just like I'd rather have PK be. <laughs> Housewife yeah. than to read. Right, right. I'm just, I'm over it. I'm over it. Can I say one thing about Bethany Frankel that I, I don't mean? Yes. Yeah, this is not. Yes. Of safe space. Not, this is not race related or related to our conversation, but I just heard this yesterday and I've been dying to share it. So, okay. So I've been off the Bravo sphere because of work mm-hmm. right now. So I don't have, I have my, like a couple of really close friends but like they're probably so sick of me like texting them every thought <laughs> but i no longer have a platform to like talk about this stuff so i'm that's like yeah. one of the many reasons i'm excited for this okay so yesterday i said you know what i need something to listen to in the background let me see what bethany's been up to on her podcast because the last time i listened mm-hmm. to it it was atrocious like oh my god mm-hmm. i remember you telling yes. us oh great okay great mm-hmm. so this is the follow-up to that so I saw that she had Julia Hart on from My Unorthodox Life on Netflix. Oh, I, recommend I have not seen that show. I have not it's seen a, it, a, but I know the show. Um, no, the players don't know the game. Totally fine. Julia Hart is really sweet. She basically left. It's like beyond. It's like ultra orthodox. She left her ultra orthodox community with her kids. And now oh my she, god, I have to watch you, you this must. show. And now she runs Elite Model Management. She's like okay. a gajillionaire living in New York City. But her kids are still stuck in between because they're like, you raised us this way. But now because yeah. you left, you want us to suddenly reject uh, all. It's really interesting. Yeah. Okay, all that, that aside, is, yeah. Bethany had her on. Listen to the first 10 minutes. <laughs> Bethany is so rude to her because oh, she's, no. like, she's like, 
all right, so your show is on right now or like it's currently on, right? And she's like, well, yeah, you know, it actually was on a while ago, um, but you know, the, the curiosity hasn't waned. And I guess because like a lot of people want hope and the show's about hope and Bethany goes, yeah. got it. So um, your childhood, <laughs> and she's like, well, I actually wrote, I actually wrote about this in my book. So it's a lot to get through. And she's like, okay, but like, you know, we're not here to promote your book. Like we can do this all day. Um, oh, if you let me drive, like there's, there's somewhere I'm going. And Julia's like, no, sweetheart, I get it, but like I'm just saying. Oh my And she's God. like, I get it, but like I just had Cameron Diaz on, and we spent two minutes on her childhood, and then we moved on. Like it is ten <gasps> minutes of her ripping into Julia about stop promoting Whoa. your book. We don't want to talk about your childhood. Let me drive. Let me take control. And Julia, to her credit, eventually relents, yeah. and she's like, Okay, sure, whatever. And then Good it's like, her. All right. But it's like, why do you have a podcast if you berate your guests? And no. and both of you know, it's like, sure, we all have the outlines for our episodes, how we'd like it to go. If the conversation goes elsewhere, you give mm -hmm. that guest some grace and you go there, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. You don't be like, okay, hold on, next question, next question. Like, it's like simple human communication. Anyway, I recommend everybody listen to it because I've never heard a podcast, podcast host <laughs> do think, that to a guest. Can I, can I say something about, I'm going to parallel something. Please. And my heart is with, okay, I'm going to preface it with this. My heart is with Kanye West. Okay. 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 Oh, wow. okay. I, We're going okay. Uh, I have, and I, I spoke in our, our last Thirsty 30 a lot and I, I bring him up and I'm very compassionate about his mental health well-being, yes. but I yep. will say you see figures like Bethany Frankel and Kanye West that surround themselves with people that don't say no. And Correct. the interesting thing that we don't see with Kanye West, which we see through like the pop culture news, which we do see with Bethany on when she was on the show, is her confidants were her assistants, her skinny girl employees. You know, it, it's it's there's nothing like watching a housewife fold clothes and talk about what's going on in the universe, mm -hmm. the housewife universe. And with that, with Bethany, it was always, you know, she had Carol for a little bit and that, but it was always like, she, she couldn't get close with women that were friends. I wasn't, I'm not sure about her, her male friends or non-binary or whatever, but, um, I thought that was interesting about her. So like, I don't know, Rit, do you have thoughts about this? Because, um, you've worked in the entertainment industry and I'm not saying firsthand or things you've heard of like, just the idea of when someone is is so in their own head and successful and has money and fame behind them, like what it does to someone. Yeah. I mean, look, I think surrounding yourself with yes people is so detrimental, even if you're not a real housewife. But yeah. I think, you know, for example, take that Bethany interview. She probably had her on and was really rude to her. And I'm sure everyone was like, you killed it. You killed yeah. it. Like, oh, my she God. Was so off you know what I mean? You killed it. Yeah. So I think the smart people are the ones who surround themselves with the honest folks who will be like, listen, maybe, maybe steer, maybe steer yourself this way. I also think with Housewives as well, there's such a need to keep up with the Joneses. Um, yes. Yeah. And that's what happened to Teresa. That was Teresa's downfall because that's why they try to get all that money because yeah. you're on a show and you want to live a lavish life and you have to maintain it. Um, and even like Jen Shaw, although she was doing her stuff way before, right? But, you know, they, they rent these properties so they look really wealthy and then it catches up mm -hmm. to them. And I think it's like, it's like once you have a taste of that world, it's like you want more yeah. and more and more. Add to that when you have yes people around you because now you have the money to pay a staff. So now you right. have the staff around you who they want to keep their jobs. They don't want to upset yeah. you. They want to be loyal, right? Because now Bethany and all these people, as they get bigger, they start to trust people less 
because yeah. people around them are leeching off of them. So, yeah. yes. so they want to be surrounded by loyalty. Well, what's loyalty? Whatever you want. Oh my God, you're so right. You're so right. Yeah. If you contradict yeah. that person, you're not being loyal. You're going against them. You're going against the brand. So it's just this, it's that whole fame thing. And that machine just gets like, you know, becomes large and unwieldy. And I've seen it too, like on certain shows, second, third, fourth season shows, you can see, uh, you can see the people on it changing. And I remember yes. there was a show I did in the last mm -hmm. few years that uh, I don't think anyone watched for good reason. But <laughs> they were telling me that they went back to shoot a couple of pickup scenes for the first season. So this was the first season show. They went back to shoot pickup scenes. And by the time they had gone back to shoot pickup scenes, the star of the show, their head had multiplied oh, a thousand times wow. because promos had started for the show and people were <gasps> responding. And it was just so now it's it used to be that like by season two or three, you become this like, yeah, now it's like within the first season, people are like, mm -hmm. I'm on a reality show. I'm a big deal. And then, yeah, you know, and then the humility is, is out the door, like within the first season itself. So it is it is really interesting to watch. And then, you know, like certain uh, when I did Lohan Beach Club, like there's certain production Iconic. and story has to rotate around that person's moods and their whims mm -hmm. and it's like and i don't i don't like being in a position where i deal with it less because i'm in post but i don't like being in a position where i feel like i'm one of the many people like whatever you want like we'll just we'll just work mm -hmm. around you it's like no you're causing delays in my day i'm going yeah. home late now because you didn't feel like doing xyz today yeah um, so sometimes i feel like i'm part of uh this person's like PR machine and I'm just like yeah. helping promote them, which is like, that's when the job is less fun. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Um, did either of you watch The Big Shot with Bethany? I did. I watched the whole thing. No. Okay. So I watched <laughs> the whole thing too. And like, go on, her please. Birthday I need this. party Both of you. was like the most her depressing thing. Birthday party. Can you please like give the last all of us? Thing, remember? Please tell us what happened. Like was she in like final... a tutu or like a, like a, like a fluffy pink thing or something? I think so. Dorinda came. Oh, yeah. There were yeah. like 10 other people there. She basically made her, it was like her 50th, it was like some big birthday. Yeah. Granted, it was COVID, but like she used her work party yeah. as her birthday party. Yeah. It was That's like tough. a challenge on the show. And I was like, just speaking to what you said, Deanna, about kind of this lack of connection with people that she has. And so she brings these yes people around her and that's like who they are i mean i think the big shot just showed that aspect of her life i feel like in a way that was like maybe she didn't actually want us to see like she didn't realize how much she was letting us into kind of like the mm -hmm. psyche of bethany frankel right. a little bit yeah that show i will say there were there were times where i found her likable when she was she kind of yeah. like let her wall down a little bit but that show did not do well from what i understand no uh, got canceled and she got really salty about she got it really salty about it and yeah it's like she keeps trying to do these solo ventures i mean bethany Bethany Ever After, I think like the I think mm -hmm. those seasons did okay because she was just coming off of Housewives, but her talk show bombed, her Frederick House show bombed, mm -hmm. this one bombed. Oh, I didn't. Yeah, yeah, she did that weird like mini season with Frederick. It was like a homemade. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. 
it was like flipping apartments in New York City. Yeah. And I do want to bring up Bethany, because this is what I thought you were going to say, Rit. A uh, friend of the pod, Dave Quinn, who's supported us. Um, Wrote Not All and, Diamonds and Rosé, yeah. which is yes, all the and, rage and right she, now. And she, I, I am assuming she didn't read the book, but, and shout out to Dave Quinn for writing that book, and it's doing well, and I think it's on the New York Times bestseller right now, but oh, she amazing. came out, she came out yesterday and released a statement saying like how disappointed she was in Dave Quinn because um, he was because he was hating on women. Yeah, because he was hating on and women. And it's like and, Bethany. Can we look? Well, and, and Deanna, <laughs> I love, I love that. You, no, I just I'm, I'm about to make fun of you because you said she released a statement. She tweeted that I think. Yeah, <laughs> oh, she did. Which is like same, 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 same. It was the tweet does not make sense no, either, I'm, right? I'm totally like I read it like 20 yeah. times. I was like, this is not correct. No, I know. English. She thinks she's <laughs> she thinks she's really clever, and, and you're right. I I miss. I was like, is she saying? Is she being sarcastic? Is she? Yeah. I didn't understand her tone. It's tough. Yeah. Like well, when she tough. said like women to women dot dot. I was like, wait, what? I don't know what you're I saying. Well, but she was throwing shade for him like hating on women essentially. And it's like, Bethany, let's take a look at uh, yeah. some of the shitty things you've said about literally everybody that you've come across. Yeah, I know. I think she was also kind of responding to what Carol said too, because Carol had a really, you know, I have very strong feelings about actually what Heather Thompson said about Sonia and the cigarettes and all yes, that. Can yes, can we? Oh that? my gosh. Say, this is very simple to me. Let's just say it was true. How dare you bring it up like that and weaponize it against her? Because that is an yeah. extremely graphic um, sounds like assault, sounds like a non-consensual thing. Um, mm-hmm. Just why do you have to talk about it? Like, yeah. you're not, no one's going to think you're a hero because you rescued her from that because now you're openly talking about it. And it's like very, whatever that is, like it's very dark and I don't know what that's about, but I just think it's a little tasteless for her to talk about it. But then page six released a video where Josh Flagg and Sonia are together and it's an old video, but he literally, mm-hmm. it, it's like a vlog and he says it. Um, he's like, oh, she let me do X, Y, Z. And she's like, oh, well, you know, whatever. It's just. So it was Josh Flagg who did it? Hmm. So that's what I'm not sure about. So I know that. Okay. The, 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 the point is that he has done it at some point and she okay. seems to agree. What Heather was saying was that it was like in a phone booth or something or it was a booth somewhere. And okay. she was like strangers. Strangers were doing it to her. It's yes, just which a- is- Why do we pick on the house? Why do ho- fellow housewives pick on housewives sexual? Anything sexual yeah. well, okay, is so, a weapon. The question is, should Dave have put that in the book? Because I think he's getting some backlash for people being like, you shouldn't have... Like Heather said it, but you shouldn't have put it in the book. Well, you know, it's the same thing that we, that we deal with on our shows as well. It's like, on one hand... Sure, he's giving it publicity and putting it out there. But on the other hand, it's what Heather said. Yeah. And she chose to say it on the record. And that says a mm-hmm. lot about her as well. So mm-hmm. why, but, so yes, on, on, on one hand, it's like, it's like, it's, it's humiliating for Sonya. On the other, it's already out there because Josh Flagg said it on a video. And also by not, it's that tough thing of like, by not putting it in the book, you might be protecting Sonya, but you're also protecting Heather who is yeah. choosing to say something like this on the record. So I know that's a t- I don't have the right answer to that. Well, that th- it's so good to talk to you about this, Rhett, because in post-production for these reality shows, I mean, like you decide what ends up on the cutting room floor a lot of mm-hmm. times right. and like what stories are being told. And so like, I don't, you know, I don't know what you can share or whatever, but like, what is like one of the hardest 
decisions you've made around that? Like, well, first of all, I don't get to make those decisions. Those decisions oh, okay. are made by legal and mm-hmm. oh, okay. yeah, okay. it's it's a whole thing above above what I do. I mean, I have my creative choices that I would like to do, but ultimately, it's on legal. And if if the person on the show approaches the executive producers and they are like, please don't include this. It's going to be a huge problem for me. You know, Mm. there's, there's a thing, you know, there's cast management also where if it's a returning show, you want to keep the cast happy so that they keep delivering. So, you know, there are some concessions you make sometimes for some of these shows. Um, But, you know, on bad girls, there was a situation, this is from years ago. So that's why it's okay Mm -hmm. to talk about. There was a situation where there was um, an assault off camera it might have been on camera but it was to mm-hmm. a random person it wasn't a cast it wasn't to another cast member and it was on it was on a trip somewhere and so it was this thing where that person they had to immediately get them off the show mm-hmm. but because it was this very complicated legal thing and involved a random bystander we couldn't talk about it on the show but we had to explain why that person was suddenly not on the show the next morning yeah so that can i yeah. yeah. I was just thinking, um, we're talking about physical assault right now, I'm assuming. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the, the parallel, in, in parallel lines, Ramona's behavior, for me, like on, on this year, on this season, and in general, but especially the seasons of New York, was like assault. And I'm not sure, do you all feel like that, the way she was behaving? It was, well, it was, it, for me, it was really, really Yeah, and triggering. it wasn't physical, of course, yeah, it wasn't but it, physical, was, it was but very it's not, assault with words. Yeah, it's not funny to me. And it actually, I get doubly triggered by the people who are like, but she's funny. I know she's problematic, oh, no, but she's yeah. XYZ. No. I really, that is starting to really, really bother me. And even with, with you know, there are other there are other people too on these shows who have said things, but people forgive because they've given us iconic moments. And yeah. I don't care how iconic this person was. Once they start mm-hmm. going down that road, everything they did before that that was funny is suddenly not so funny to me anymore. That's and, so funny. And I think that's the issue I'm having is that all these people who in 2020 were like Black Lives Matter and we stand with blah blah blah. It's like right, but you don't get angry when these when these some of these women say certain things on these shows that are really horrible and you're like well you know but they're iconic and we can't lose Ramona and it's like okay so you're not actually standing for anything you're standing Mm -hmm. for your own amusement and entertainment before anything else um and it wasn't even like Ramona you know learned and grew from any of that um so no like the Mm -mm. exact opposite like I mean I stand by my, I think, final decision that not having a reunion was actually a good thing because I just think it would have been even more harmful for the black community mm-hmm. and people of color to hear her double down on why she there was doesn't nothing, need to apologize. Yep, there was nothing to gain from that reunion, no. honestly. And there wasn't even enough drama really to like get into aside from mm-hmm. all that stuff that was like, oh, I want to see them hash this out. Like, I think it's OK. I don't think they're going to cancel the show because, you know, it's one of the biggest it's, ones. Yeah. yeah, I think they probably will just do a refresh. I hope so. I mean, like, just totally new cast. I'm all for it. I would love that. But so one of these things that was brought up earlier that I want to come back to is like the second, third, fourth season, Mm -hmm. how it changes housewives, you know, reality TV stars. Can we talk about Wendy Osifo from Potomac? Because it's been on my mind as we're getting towards the end of the season again, like, mm-hmm. Britt, what do you make of it? Well, so I haven't seen this, the most recent episode, 
Um, but I think a lot of what you're talking about has played out already. Yeah. I think the pro I, I do think there's something about her where she's she's um I'm not sort of buying this the uh, first of all she looks stunning this is not anything about yes. her appearance or anything and do whatever you want get whatever surgery you want it's your body do whatever you want but there's there is a bit of um like a dissonance between who she's trying to be this season and who mm-hmm. she, I mean we only know her from the show right? I don't know her personally mm-hmm. but yeah. it doesn't feel authentic to me but that's kind of her thing. I also think, though, of of anyone to bring this up to her, Robin and Giselle are not the ones. Oh, because the yeah. two of them just sit on the side and they talk shit about everyone. Mm-hmm. And it's like they're so, you know, Giselle seems pretty unhappy overall. And she's always trying to tear mm. people down. You know, Robin, I go So back you see that with. as unhappiness because it is that is she unhappy or is she just really confident or a mixture of both? Uh, Giselle? Yeah. Yeah. No, I think she's unhappy because she she talks – she says so many nasty things about other people and their marriages she and she stirs up gossip and the word on the street is X, Y, Z. And then it yeah. happened to her and she's like barely discussing it. Yes. She has such a wall up and it's kind of a double standard. And I think, I think that happened with Ashley as well, but um, because Ashley was, Ashley's owning it though. She's Ashley's owning it. That's like, the difference. she's just like, my husband's a monster and I know it. And, <laughs> I know. and, and I'm, I'm trying to give him more blowjobs. <laughs> yeah. It's really uncomfortable, but it's like, it's like, listen, a, she's not pretending he's not a creep. Like, no, no, so no. It's like, all right, this is, this is new and unexpected. So you're owning that he's a creep and yet you love him anyway. It's like, uh, what, I know. what can you do? What, what can what you is- say against that? It's like, all right, well, I know. It's, well, Deanna, did you see the most recent episode? No. Okay. So I, I will talk about it then. Yeah, okay. Please. Yes, because please. I, I'm very, once you guys watch it, text me and let me know what you think. Yes. But because Giselle kind of does a deep dive a little bit for the oh. first time instigated by her amazing daughters. I love That's the her thing. children. That's the oh thing. My God. Her They're children. Like, You're fake. Just wise. You're, you don't like... You don't like let us in. Like you're not like a good role model. They like really wow. rip Shit. into her. Oh no! And she goes to a therapist to unpack it. And like, of course, it's like a little produced. Like everything is, but you do sort of see. Like I did sort of see Giselle kind of like starting to own. Like yeah, yeah I do have all these walls up. I don't let people in. I'm not authentic. <laughs> like I'm open to seeing that. That sounds interesting. Yeah. Well, I think hearing her daughters say like yeah. this is affecting us yeah. and our lives now. Yeah. I think like that's where we see Giselle as a human being who's like, mm-hmm. I can't fuck up my daughters. If I'm yeah. doing that, then like that's not okay. Wow. So that was sort of a really interesting thing to see in this past episode. Like uh, Potomac is like just gives us everything. I Can I ask you now, show. Indra, though, since you've seen the most recent uh, episode, mm-hmm. what is your take on Wendy? So Wendy like has this whole thing, like trip that she organizes. Right. right? And like, which I, I want to be out of that house. Get me out of that house. <laughs> that house that is house? so dep- yeah, They left still at the, the house. house. Oh, they left the house. Okay. But it's Get me out of there. Yeah. And With like, G? I'm like, I oh, need it. This is chaotic. Yes. I Sorry, like, I interrupted. You Keep know, going. Wendy, like, I don't know what to make of her. Like, right, you're so right. Like, I don't know this woman. I can't really, like, I'm judging on purely what I've seen of her in two seasons of the show. But like she seems like she seems like preoccupied with something. Mm-hmm. Like that's I don't, a good way of putting it. I don't it. know yes. what it is, but she's like not focused. Yeah, and like 
I think it stems from there's like some unhappiness in her life. And I don't know what that is. Like people are speculating it's cheating rumors with Eddie that she does. She says she doesn't like her career. She wants to pivot. Like, I'm just like, Wendy, like starting a housewares line, like, is this your dream? Like, I just, I don't know. And and to I that point, that's, that's the part that feels like a little, like she's going through the checklist of like, okay, so every season, because, because she is so analytical and she is so smart, she's probably yeah. looking at this from a very, perf- like, um like long-term career goals, like what's the mm-hmm. trajectory of my time yes. on the show. And so that's maybe why it doesn't feel as, um as authentic you know yeah um but maybe she's just trying to find her footing and it's that thing where she where she maybe didn't feel confident about herself and so she wanted a boost so she got all that work done but i think she's still trying to catch up to that exterior you know like she's still trying to figure out wow yes it's like that's what i mean by dissonance it's like it's like physically like she's so um she looks uh you know um, like totally different and like and whatever but i think mentally she still has a foot back in yeah. the Wendy from season one and she's trying to catch up. Yeah, that yeah. makes sense. That Also in this episode, we see this scene with her mother. They're like doing a photo shoot for her housewares thing and like her mom oh, and so her she's daughter. Oh, so she's it. doing it. Yeah, she's she has doing a product. it. And like, okay, so okay. her mom, okay, Wendy's mom reminds me of my dad. Like, oh, really? it's <laughs> like this immigrant father who's like my way or the highway, like type of thing. But there's like love there, obviously. But like, there's something, it's interesting seeing, I like seeing more about like her Nigerian life and stuff like that because I, I connect to it in a lot of ways and like my South Asian uh, upbringing. And it's just so interesting to see like, the kind of back and forth with her and her mother. I think that that sort Mm -hmm. of like brings out some of the realist content from Wendy that maybe we'll see this season. And so that's also in this last episode. Okay. There was her, I don't know. Her mom was on watch what happens live and it was incredible. Oh, she was. Well, she sat in the audience and Andy, every time they came back from commercial, he'd be like, Mom, you got to turn that flash off because she kept trying to take pictures of Wendy. <gasps> oh, my and she's God. Like, like, Andy, it's so hot in here. I'm like, uh. I'm sweating. And I'm like, okay, all right. Maybe we can turn the air down. It's so funny. That's oh so my funny. God, that's I'd like to add something on second season. Um, and, and this is with Heather I'm going to bring up. But so I was listening. I listened to this podcast. It's called 90210MG with Tori Spelling and Jenny Garth. And basically oh, they – wow. Yeah, they, they watch – they're going through the whole season of watching all 90210 episodes okay. and, and talking about memories for each episode. And so the other week they had Teddy Mellencamp on or Jenny Garth because uh, Tori was out shooting. So Teddy was on and Teddy was talking about, I guess the producers told her or she was getting feedback from Bravo that her first season, everyone loved her. Like all the fans loved her because she was at home she was pretty neutral. And then in the second season, when she got into the muck, people turned mm. on her. Mm. And I'm thinking of Heather because it appears from like the Bravo fandom that Heather had a really good first season. Unsure how she's doing the second season, but it seems like people are kind of turning on her too. It's like she can't have like her day in the sun. And do you all feel that way? Wait, are you talking about Heather from? Sorry, Salt Lake. Oh, yes. from Salt Lake. Oh, oh, not no, oh. not OC. Oh. I know where your brain was going OC, right? But yeah. Uh, yeah, but like, what is your? What do you all think of like the the transition of Heather 
from season one to season two. And it's kind of interesting because Lisa Barlow is also kind of her trajectory. Well, so Heather, I don't, I don't have a problem with it's Whitney to me that hers, she is really Mm. getting on my nerves this season. Interesting. Um, Why? I think because she is really deliberate. It could be just the way she's, because she speaks in such like a stilted scripted way. To me, it feels like she's trying really hard to have moments and create drama and like have big blow ups and, it's not doesn't feel like it's coming from an authentic place. Heather, though, are people turning on her? I'm not really. People were saying yeah. at the the reunion she was too big for her britches. At the reunion, I think she's get... redeemed herself. This interesting season, though, yeah. she has this very like girl next door lovable vibe, and like her, just she's so like she's so, not raw. She's very like I feel like her story about being like super Mormon for so long and like trying to break out of that and wanting that for her daughters and everything. Like, I feel like that's really real. And like seeing her in this last episode, like celebrating the success of um, beauty bar and all of that, you know, it's like, I don't know. I would find myself being like happy for her. I'm like, yeah, I'm so happy for you. Yeah. I think it's because she's like the quote unquote relatable one. People want to keep her in that spot. And I don't think that's very fair. Um, Mm. You know? And I think it's like, People are like, oh, we just want her to be the humble one who like makes mistakes mm. and can't get it right. And it's like, well, eventually she's going to get it right. Yeah. And we should support her when she does instead of yeah. like wanting to keep her in that slot. Like people do grow and evolve. And this show probably gave her seeing all the love she got. She probably yeah. got more confident and started to feel good about herself. Like, yeah, nothing wrong with that. Absolutely. Yeah. Rick, do you think Lisa Barlow called the caterers? Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yes. Yeah. You yeah. do. OK. Yeah. OK. You don't think so, Deanna? I didn't, but now I do. Yeah. Oh. After just, seeing <laughs> she, I, I, can't, I can't stand her, but she also makes me laugh. It's really weird. She is like, I can't stand her, but I'm so glad she's on the show. Yeah, like, she's so strange. Like these accents in Salt Lake, also like Meredith, like yeah. Meredith, like, oh, Seth, and I are doing really well. Oh, yeah, yes. like there's no N in Seth. Seth, is, yeah. I'm sorry, I can't with Seth. I feel like he knows. Yeah, I know. He's so Seth aware is... of the cameras. When he, yes. he came to that guy's night and he like jumped in, remember? And he's like, oh, let's, it's like, dude. Oh. Yeah. We know, you know, there are cameras here. Like, just, I know. just the it dinner down. with Meredith where he's like, I want to jump your bones. Yes. And like, yes. all the, so I was like, I don't, and even please. Meredith is like, ha, 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 ha. yeah, like, stop. Yeah. I know. Well, last season too, when like, he like packed his bags and walked out that weird I know. high school drama club scene they performed mm, in their bedroom. Yes. With her in the bathroom. Yeah. It's like, what are we doing here, guys? That was so st- fake and stupid. Yeah. Like, I like Whitney because I don't know. I I under I do think that she's like playing it up for the cameras yeah. and like yeah. pu- inserting herself in situations where like she doesn't really need to. But like something about her, I just like. I like her energy on the show. I think it like is good for the whole sure. cast. Sure. Yeah. Um, Jenny oh, and. Jenny. I just, I like, am once again, I'm mad at Bravo. I've been talking about this with Deanna a lot recently about how I'm mad at Salt Lake City for saying, here we are having a diverse cast, like off right off the bat, like for the first time ever, kind of. Um, and yet we're putting like the most problematic women of color ever in you know it's like jen shaw mary crosby runs a cult mary crosby is like and then and then i'm like oh great we have jenny like Mm -hmm. great Mm -hmm. and then her fucking husband is like 
a monster. <laughs> like, yeah. And do we believe that's real or they're just like telling them to do this? Because well, I just don't know what to make of it. So I can say that definitely I don't believe that that's something that the producers or the network um, would tell them to do. Yeah. Because everything that happens on camera comes from their lives. You know, mm-hmm. um, the only thing that production's really doing is being like, okay, you sit there, you sit there, if anything, you know? Um, so it came from, I don't know if they sat down and talked about it, but I, I do think, I mean, look, the way she gets emotional, they both get yeah. emotional about losing the child. That I think obviously is super authentic. Oh, no, that's, oh my gosh, this, that was heartbreaking. It's this turn though about the sister wife thing that, yes. I don't know. Listen, if they're, if they're acting it, I will say that I think Jenny's doing a great job with the sister yeah. wife stuff because I, you know, as a, as a story concept, it feels a little far-fetched, but she at least is doing the work to sell it to us. Dewey, yes. I'm not sure so much with him. I'm not <laughs> sure, but I mean, listen, she's committed. So, but <laughs> yeah. he's sitting there so straight faced. So earnest. Like, yeah. yeah. I mean, I, why shouldn't I have a sister wife? Like, why shouldn't I put more humans on this earth? Yeah. Like he seemed really kind of, well, I think when you, about you went into the cultural uh, side of like, you know, it's it, my it grandfather is, did it. Yeah, and... my grandfather and they had this many kids. And, and I was like, oh, this is this is like so made up. And then when he they went into it, I was like, OK, maybe this is sincere. Like his. Yeah, I, think, I don't know. I think tying it to their culture helped ground it in something. Um, but I don't know. I mean, but I don't like that. I don't. I don't like it. To me, it feels gross. Like, here we are, like, making another culture that's not, like, white Christian, whatever, like, a toxic thing. It's like, they condone this. So, like, it's okay. Like, ooh, let's look at these, like, Asian people in, like, a negative light. That's what all I'm seeing, and I'm not here for it. I I hear you, but I also think that they chose to discuss that stuff on camera, and it's that tough thing of, like, it's not what we would like for representation at all. And I have the same thing where I'm like, oh, come on. But at the same time, they have to take some responsibility for what they're choosing to discuss about their culture on camera you know yeah. it's that tough thing i hear you though i get it it's disappointing it's just like yeah i i just wish that you know it's like i wish it could all be like garcelle you know like garcelle right. is like i'm so glad beverly hills has been able to like have her on the cast and let her just like be who she is and like she's like a fucking queen she's yeah. like on all of these amazing magazine covers like killing it professionally like truly one of the women on that show that just does not need the show mm-hmm. and which is what kind of makes her so like iconic in some ways mm-hmm. and so like i'm happy to see that i just feel like in all of these other franchises salt lake city new york like the women of color on these shows are just like they seem like evil to me or like they're being painted in this like evil light almost like the way ebony was portrayed and like whether or not it was her doing or what you know it's just like when you see the social media chatter about that stuff it's just so disappointing it's like we took 10 steps backwards instead of like a few steps forward, which was, which was the point. I hope, I don't know. It feels really tough. It just exposes how much, how far behind the general public is and the Bravo audience, as much as they fancy themselves, you know, supportive, liberal and all that stuff. Just all that dialogue really, it just exposes everyone for, you know, lip service and all that 
So Well, I think you can't win because, you know, Asians who watch Bravo is doing a really great job with pointing out the microaggressions against Crystal in Beverly mm-hmm. Hills right now. Yep. And I mean, it's a bummer hearing that people are turn have turned against Crystal from the the moment she kind of like stepped on our screens. Yeah. Yeah, that's and you know when she had the finale party at a Japanese restaurant, I was like people there's so many people who are probably like just see that and they're like, "Oh, she's Japanese." You know what I mean? Like things like yeah. that. Like, it's, that's not her fault, but I when I see that I'm like, I know there's a large section of this audience that is now going to think that Chinese and Japanese culture are the same thing because mm. she's having her it's just like I, I always have one eye on like uh, what is Middle America thinking when they see yes. this? Like, exactly. Yes, yeah. totally. Um, okay, so you have been working on the next season of The Real Housewives of Orange County. I have, yes. <laughs> which is premiering in December? December first. Okay. Wow. Yeah. So oh, yeah, it's a date that's looming over our heads. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Yeah. So that how much? Like um, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So we're we're hearing a lot of great feedback, especially from Andy. He's saying mm-hmm. it's a season to watch. Mm-hmm. What is your work day like these days? Oh well, uh, I, I keep looking to the left because my phone. So basically, there's so my job is to uh, supervise story and kind of the editors and the assembly of yeah. all the episodes, but also like things like the super tease, which is the trailer. Like we're you know mm. figuring that stuff out and. Basically, every day it's questions. So we have like, uh, I think, five story teams, um, a a few people each. So that's 10 people. And then we have like, I don't know, eight or nine editors, each on different episodes. But like, if someone doesn't have something this day, I'm like, okay, go on this episode. You're going to cut this scene for this episode. Talk to this producer who will tell you. And it's harder because we're all sitting at home. So this is all happening over Slack. Wow. So it's a lot oh my of my gosh. job is coordinating and plugging in. Like, okay, this episode oh has to go gosh. out on this day. So you do this. Oh, okay. This is where this story is going in five episodes. So make sure that you that they talk about this. Like, yeah. use that part okay. of the scene. Make sure that her her you know her interview bites are following this this track. Mm-hmm. We want to make sure that she's super focused on this story. And um, then I'm structuring every episode for the season. So when the questions stop. I go to my board and I'm like, all right, we have X many episodes left. This one will go here. We'll play this. They'll go on this trip here. Oh, but that can't work because it's too, you know, this person has two scenes back to back. So that has to be separated. So yeah. it's really in the details of everything that's been shot. And they shoot a lot on these shows. They shoot nonstop. Yeah. They started in July um, and they, oh you know, God. wrapped recently. Um, so it's a lot. It's several months. Oh my God, of, that's so much content. Yeah, Are they doing six content, days yeah. a week? Um, it's, it's sort of not, not six days a week, but within those days, it's, you know, the scenes are, and that's why these shows are so good because they shoot with yeah. them so much that you get every aspect of conversation and opinion. And yeah. it's not just like half an hour. Okay. Talk about this. Okay. We're done. It's like, you know, you're following them and their natural conversation. They talk about family. They talk about so there's a million directions that you can mold the story into, which is fun, but also on our schedule, it's it's a little tough because none of these shows, I mean, not just Bravo or Housewives, no show I've ever worked on has a schedule that's like free and open and I have all yeah. this time. There's <laughs> yeah. always a time crunch. So that's just the nature of it. But um, yeah, it's a lot. So like right now I have, you know, people messaging me, which I should, I should probably respond to them. And they're yes, just like, yes. no, they're just well, like, Oh, um, I need this to work on. Do you have this? Let's discuss this. Let's hop on. Like yesterday I had a three hour zoom figuring out some story problems for an episode. Then wow. I had a half hour and then I got another zoom, which was a zoom about a meeting we were about to have. So it was prepping for another zoom. Yeah. So 
that, you know, there goes the whole morning. And then after lunch, yeah. it's like, okay, I'm answering back all these people who needed help in the morning. And yeah. I think in person would be a lot easier because you can just yeah. swing by and be like, blah, blah, blah. But here it's like, okay, I have to tell this person, but I have to loop in this other person. So I'm yes. adding. So my threads, I have like a hundred threads on Slack <laughs> oh of different God. combinations of people. So that's like scary to me. Yeah. One thing I've always wondered is like, mid, does it like, so you're laying out these episodes, mm-hmm. but like, mid-season maybe something happens like in the real world that's like this huge story or whatever and like you have to pivot a little like does the show actually pivot sometimes yeah no absolutely so we don't i mean we follow the reality of what's happening with them in these situations so it's not like i'm planning that oh in five episodes um this event will happen like when there are events and like we don't know what direction these scenes or events or parties or who's going to get into it like we have no idea so part of the fun thing of my job is um as events happen down the line and these two get into it i have to go backwards and make sure Mm. that we're building towards that because when there's a conflict with two people and i learned this on bad girls club you know on that show it was about physical fights and this show it's different but it's always coming from somewhere. And you can usually trace the roots of this falling out multiple episodes before. Mm-hmm. But it's my job to make sure that we are tracking the lead up to that fallout properly so it's not just out of the blue, you know? So you're so, doing like, you're a sociologist. I mean, <laughs> that's it's a much true. nicer, yeah, that's, that makes me sound much, it makes it sound much uh, more academic. Um, but yeah, I mean, you have to you have to know the characters and how they're going to react. You have to kind of guess like how they're going to react in certain situations so that you can think ahead of what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, by now, like I can tell you, like, I feel like I know these women really well just from watching so much footage and how they respond, yeah. how they make jokes, their speech patterns, mm, um, wow. because you just are immersed in this footage and you're just nonstop around the clock. Like if I'm focusing on just completely hypothetically like a Shannon story and I'm spending the day watching Shannon footage, I sometimes forget. I'm like, oh, there are other women on the show. Like I've just been in Shannon's world. So that's like what I'm most familiar with today. But yeah, um, I mean, listen to their credit. They really give a lot of time and energy and sharing. I mean, it's exhausting to share personal stuff round the clock like yeah. that so they well, especially when you're going through personal stuff like gina's gone through in the past i mean yeah. that just like must take so much ener- emotional energy yeah absolutely yeah, and to know you're being filmed too and you want to look a certain way or whatever you know it's yeah. like that's it's a lot of pressure a lot. yeah 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 totally oh my god that's so interesting yeah it's i fun. can't now i'm gonna be like when i'm now watching really it excited. i'm gonna be like oh Brit was doing that. And then- <laughs> I can tell you the first, the first two, ep- I mean, this season is shaping up to be really exciting, but we, the stuff that happens in the first couple of episodes, um, it was, I was so nervous about starting the show because I was like, what if it's like a really soft beginning and nothing really right. happens? And then that, that falls on me for not being able to find the exciting mm-hmm. story. And let me just tell you, it was like, I was like, this is <laughs> unreal for a first for a first and second episode, it's not what it's not what you would expect. So it feels like right. it feels fresh. It's okay. not it's not the OC that you're used to. I know a lot right, of people have Heather. Yeah. I feel like the lion tamer is coming in. Well, you yeah, know, I mean, to the circus. You get to see her house if you don't if you don't follow her. Right. Um, I think she has a video podcast maybe but have you been in the house no no so i'm strictly in my own house okay <laughs> okay at my desk yeah but it's i mean from what i've seen it's obviously just yeah spectacular because how many years did it take to build oh man i want to say like 
because she started when she was on the show yeah and they finished i think after she left so it was a few years but yeah um, she she really picked out every little detail of that house which is pretty cool um so yeah you get to see all that and just a lot of like really like the the glam is really ratcheted up this season the style mm. the, the trips mm. like it's it really feels like a fresh take on the show so i'm excited for people to see it and see what they think this is my first season with the oc oh. i have not watched well actually in a hotel recently i watched some early seasons and i was like i need to watch all of this because this yeah. is amazing I, in, in my opinion maybe i'm biased i think there's seasons one through 15 and then there's 16 and whatever will happen yeah. after this because just the style and what they talk about and how deep they go and the conflict is not doesn't feel like the previous seasons. So interesting. Um, yeah, so it's 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 really fun that way. And I I wanted to do it because Heather was coming back and because of some of the mm -hmm. casting changes that they made. So I was like, oh, this I want to be a part yeah. of because this seems really. Are there any um, BIPOC on on the season? I don't know if I can answer that question. For oh, you right okay, now. Yeah. okay. Oh. So we'll see. Yeah, we'll see. Yeah, yeah. I'm just realizing I don't even know like all the castings. So. Yeah, I don't think it's been announced yet. Okay. Yeah. Well, very exciting. I'm. Yeah. It's it's like the OG Housewives show, you know. It's, it is. It is. And so there was a lot of pressure to make it feel new because times are different, you know. Like, mm. yeah. So, um, but yeah, they really, God bless that cast. They really give everything, which is awesome. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I saw that article today. There was like a headline. It was like, Andy Cohen says the first two episodes of OC will blow your mind. Or yeah, yeah, like yeah, yeah. 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 Um, Rit, anything else that you want to get? Because you haven't been able to like do your Bravo thing lately. Like anything that you're like, I need to, to comment on this. I think I've said all I can say without getting in trouble because even <laughs> though I don't, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, I don't know that anyone cares about my opinion enough to get mad that I shared it. But just to be safe, I'm being very yeah. like guarded about, although I think I've said some maybe not nice things on this episode. But um <laughs> Yeah, I think uh, I think I've said everything that I I can say right now. I guess. Okay. Well, but, we like we're so excited for all of your projects and everything. We're so proud of you. Oh, I thank know. You both. We're so I proud. love seeing trade. Like again, like listeners, look out for Trader. Hopefully, it will be. Yeah, like, I will. In I streaming. will figure it out very very okay. soon. Okay. Yeah. Because it's it's really like I love seeing it. I felt like I got to see a different part yeah. of who you are and oh, like thanks. your creative process. And that was really awesome and um, special. Yeah. And it's just such an important story to tell mm -hmm. Thank you. and put yeah. out in the universe and for people to see, especially um, like the last scene was very unexpected. And, and it, I thought it was just really well done. Thank you. Yeah. I appreciate that. Of course, when I watch it now, I'm like, I would have done this differently and that yeah. differently. I would have moved <laughs> the camera here. But yeah, I mean, you know, it was like several years ago, but I'm still, you know, I'm, I'm proud of it. And the music, which I was really, I worked really yes. closely with my friend, my really close friend, Allie, her boyfriend Carmine, he read the script and she was like, Carmine, just he made a couple of songs for you. And I was like, I feel oh my I always feel so weird working with people that I'm close with because yeah. I'm like, what if something goes south? But I was like, all right. And then I listened to like just from reading the script, he came up with some stuff and I was like, oh, how can I not? And then oh, it wow. was like that process was, was so Carmine exciting. singing the song. In the in the um, movie, there was, there a, wasn't there a song? Oh, no, that, that Wake Up America song. That is an yeah. actual like patriotic song from like wow. the 30s or something whoa yeah. oh yeah yeah wow. it's frightening yeah okay. and, it, and it ended up mirroring a lot of what was happening really yeah. closely yeah um it's sort of like you're either with us or against us was kind of like yeah. the tone of that song yeah no so that was something i pulled that was public domain 
but yeah, I mean, he was so, um, he, like, I, I feel like I know music to an extent, but I don't know how to make it and I can't speak mm-hmm. about it in a very specific way, but he totally understood like me yeah. grasping for like, Oh, well, if we just make this, this, and I want the vibe to be this. And can we add this instrument in? And he just, I mean, it was like, that was the most exciting what a part. Dream. It was really, that's what I kept saying. Yeah. Like, what a dream this is. So yeah, he's the best. He actually did the theme music to my podcast. So, oh, awesome. yeah, yeah. there we go. Yeah. So. So, and, and where can people find you and Carmine? Yes. Um, so me, I'm uh, just writ five one six on uh, on Instagram. Since my podcast account, I'm not really on anymore. Um, Carmine is always making music, and I want to make sure I get his handle right. That's why I'm looking at my phone. He is at Carmino two two. So C A R M E E N O two two, and he is just like super creative, always making stuff. Um, and he's the best. So, and the costumes also like, that was such a fun process. Like everyone was just, it was so awesome. Okay. So Brit's, uh, computer just like <laughs> rebooted mid sentence. Oh wait, he's back. Hold on. Oh, let's see. <laughs> oh, hello. I'm so sorry. It went, everything went pink. This laptop is new, by the way. It's everything went old. pink. Everything went, went pink. pink. <laughs> and then it went like, <laughs> and then it, <laughs> That was terrifying. Okay, sorry about that. No, it's okay. I wanted to say um, or ask, I know you're so busy with all the projects that you do, but um, do you think that you'll be creating any more shorts or films in the future? I'm working on, yeah, so I write scripts all the time and I have some stuff that I'm trying to, you know, get out there. Um, But there's, I have an idea for a short that I'm kind of playing with, but it sort of deals with... um, Indian immigrants in the 60s to America. Mm -hmm. And it sort of is a play on that Mad Men 1960s world, but with uh, Indian people in it. Because I think, you know, our image of Americana 1960s doesn't include immigrants. Because, and there were, by the way, Indian immigrants were working on farms in Los Angeles and blending families with Mexican farmers back hmm. in the 30s. I didn't know about that until recently. I didn't know that. Because if you watch any period show, Perry Mason or whatever, any period show Los Angeles that takes place in that time, you only see white people and yeah. you know and, and black people, but you don't realize that there were immigrants here as well. So that's something I'm really fascinated with. I, I want to try to write stuff that because I love um, because I love history so much and American history and old Hollywood. I, I want to try to write and make things that retell those stories, including immigrants in them, mm-hmm. um, so that people can see what things really looked like back then. It wasn't just white people in hats and overcoats, yeah. it's, you know? Mm-hmm. So Trader was fun for that reason, too, because it was inserting people of color in a noir mm-hmm. world that is normally full of just white folks. So mm-hmm. I that, love those, that. That's the kind of stuff yeah. I'm, I'm interested in. Um, but we'll see. I mean, it's so hard to get anything done these days after work, but I'll try. <laughs> well, we'll we'll look forward to that. And of course, we'll have you back very soon to talk Please, more yes. Bravo. Maybe yeah. after the season of OC is done. Um, and yeah, just everything in general. There's so much to talk about always. <laughs> yeah, I'm dying. I'm dying for you to see the first episode and see I what you oh my God. December 1st, right? December 1st, December 1st. It's coming soon. Yay. Yay. Well, thank you so much, Rit. We love seeing you and talking with you. Thank you both. I really appreciate it. We'll talk to you soon. Okay. Bye. Bye. Bye.